everything in your life. He calls you to do They're they're wonderful, gorgeous gifts as the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we love the Word of God. What a treasure that is, Lord. What a gift to man. Lord, apart from Jesus Christ himself, Lord, what a great gift you gave us the Word of God. Written, Lord, and and yet we we treat it as something common, as, Lord, something um, of little value word of God, Lord, it's just so precious to us, and it has, it is um, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, and your word is truth, oh God, and, and so Lord, we, we, we love your word, we are the wisdom of God in, 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 in bringing into the written word, Father, the reality of, of God, of the spiritual realities that we can consider with our minds and, and, and the Holy Spirit can illuminate our minds to grant us our understanding of this life we have in Jesus Christ. It is so magnificent, oh God, so wonderful, so beautiful in its, all of its dimensions. It's not just about coming to church and singing a few songs. There's this glorious reality to, to Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. And your word, God, is what brings us into that. And so may we take very seriously. We give our minds and our hearts, God. May we not listen as if we're listening to a radio program. May we listen as one who listens to the oracles of God. Because Paul says that is what we do. It is the word of God. That God grants us grace. And none of us are sufficient for the church. I'm not sufficient for you. I'm not, we're not sufficient for here. But our sufficiency is in God. And we are able to transform this moment so that we can be edified, that we can receive something from heaven that will strengthen our walk and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so thank you this morning for this time. Take control over the atmosphere, demonic powers that would try to distract our minds. We are in a war against the devil, against all the legions of hell. We're at war against the flesh, the world, and I pray that, Lord, there would be a freedom given to them to consider the word of God and to really understand, oh God, give us, grant us understanding. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at um, what triggered Isaiah's condition. And what we said is that Isaiah was triggered by the seraphim calling one to another. They were calling one to another, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That, that provoked something in Isaiah. This, this praise of God, this praise of God really triggered in Isaiah, and he realized, man, I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. You know, I'm ashamed of it. I don't know what it was in Isaiah. Let me, let me give the reason where, where he concluded, I'm a man of unclean lips. Clearly something, in, as, as the serpent exalted God, glorified God, he realized, okay, that's not me. And um, I, I, I use my words, I use my, I use my voice, I, I'm full of pride, I'm full of all this, and I just can't, I just don't have a freedom. He cried out, the Lord would, con- would cleanse him from that. And so, and one of the ways God did that, that, you know, the angel came and touched him. And so when we, when we behold the glories of Jesus Christ, and our eyes are open, trust me, you are going to feel the same com- 
compelled to exult in the glories of God. I love it, the fact that when we, um, I've had so many great conversations with my brother Lewis this week. Just, we're just reveling in God, just reveling, you know, just enjoying God, you know, because we can't help but just declare how great God is, amen? You know, he's God, is, you know, it's just beautiful to find, you know, a, a kindred in, in the Lord. He, isn't God great? Consider this. Let, let, it, it, we can say anything. We're just like gripped by the awesomeness of God. Amen? But in the New Testament, believers are exhorted to this lifestyle of conversational exaltation. To, to have conversations that exalt the Lord. Amen? And that's, that's what God and, and, and Peter, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 5.17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we began to consider what are some hindrances? What are some hindrances to a life that, what keeps us from really exalting the Lord once in a while? What is it that keeps us? What is what are, You have those hindrances. I have those hindrances. What is it that keeps us? From a life of total freedom in just exalting the Lord, especially when we come together. Because I believe that, you know, when he says address one another, you know, you could do that over the phone, you could do that in text, but, you know, but when we're in person, there's a unique, special, I, I love the fact that, you know, everything in life is special. It's just that we lose the specialness of it because we do it so often. But when we gather together, there is a unique specialness to that, to that moment. It's unique. Um, it's, it's, it's no, uh, it, it, when, when, when it's in the book, in the Deut- Deuteronomy, it talks about holy, a holy assembly, a solemn assembly. It's something that is holy to the Lord. When people of God gather together, that is a holy moment. Now, we, we, we don't necessarily feel, may feel that that's holy because we do it so often that we become unhabitual. But when we gather together, we should be aware that there is, there is a layer of holiness and set-apartness that God himself has, has called for us. So that there's a sense that when we come together, that, that, that it's a holy moment, and that there's something particularly given um, to the people by God in those moments. And when we come together, let's speak to one another. Paul says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So what are hindrances? And so we come to, we come to Psalm, 30, Psalm 33. Failing, and we began this this week, failing to practice righteousness is a great hindrance to a life of praise. Right? So we're going to talk about righteousness. We're going to continue. Failing to practice righteousness, failing to walk in a life of righteousness will be a great hindrance in our ability, in our freedom to praise God. To magnify the king. There's a, there's, there's a connection between a life of righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's a tremendous connection between the two. And we, we want to bring that out more clearly and encourage us to walk by faith. Encourage us to say, you know what? God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness in Christ. God doesn't have to give you anything more. He's given it all to you in Jesus Christ. Now it's a matter of walking in it. Now it's a matter of believing the promise. God has given you everything that you need. And so, we, so, we, so the word of God stirs us up by way of promise, by way of the things that God has accomplished in Jesus Christ. And so that's our goal today. Shout for the joy in the Lord. Shout for joy. 
Now, he doesn't say that's what the Bible says. Oh, you righteous, the phrase be still, be upright. So the command to shout for joy in the Lord is not directed indiscriminately to every person in the church. It's to the righteous. And so we, we want to understand, and we began to see last week that in the Bible, the righteous enjoy a special favor of God. Psalm 5.12, I'm not going to go through all the scriptures this morning, just a couple of them. Psalm 5.12. You bless the righteous. Oh, Lord, you cover him with favor as with a cloak. Psalm 37, 29. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. So this idea that there be concrete promises that God gives to those who walk in righteousness, those who are righteous. So the question is, what does it mean to be righteous? What does it mean to be righteous? And we said last week that we... In our country, in our churches, you know, in the West, we tend to think righteousness primarily something that happens, something that we're not involved in, something that, and, and particularly because it's, you know, there are scriptures that seem to speak like that. For example, Romans 5.19. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Were you made a sinner by, by active disobedience, by your active disobedience? Were you made a sinner by your act, by your disobedience? Who's who's disobedience? Adam. Don't ever forget that. Right, right, right. You could have you could have gone you could have been born and be immediately gifted to a monastery at the age of one one day old, and for the next five years you could for the next fifty years read the Bible, and you're still a rotten sinner. <laughs> you're still a rotten filthy sinner. Right? We are born and conceived in sin. Amen? So, so forget about it. Right? It, it, it's just we are made sinners by one man's disobedience. We were made sinners. So by one man's disobedience, the many will be made righteous. And then we, we, if, we, if, we, if we take that, we say, well, well, then I'm righteous because of Christ. I'm righteous because of one man's obedience. And so we, think, we tend to think um, that the entire that the totality of righteousness includes Adam obedience, but, but when we look at the scriptures, we find a little bit more clarity as to like what, what the Bible teaches with respect to our righteousness, right? And so righteousness is not passive, we find out. Righteousness is, it's important to make a distinction. What we find is that the passive view of righteousness fails to maintain and sustain righteousness. Very important to understand. All right? There's, there's two aspects of our redemption the, the work of Christ is not just magnificent. He, he, he did not um, read your Bible. Let, let, let the, there are different aspects of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives that we should just really be good students of the Bible so that we could learn, so we could be able to rightly divide the word of truth, right? We have, to, we have to learn how to rightly divide it. It's not just all one thing. There are distinctions made. There are aspects that need to be emphasized so that so certain two aspects of our redemption in Christ that you should know. One is the work of justification. Right? Very, very important. The work of justification. The work of justification is passive. You don't do anything for God. Right? So just, just realize that. You're, you're made justified. Um, we know that a man is not justified by works of the law. No good work can add to your justification. 
but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believe in Christ in order to be justified by faith. So we are justified simply by faith in Christ. All right, and that word justified really comes from another one, but uh, the, the, the ESV writer, the Greek writer, uh, use an English word that is helpful for us and that if we are justified by no doing of yourself, you're passive, you're, you're, you're made right. That's what it means, justification. You are made, you are right. You, you, have a, you, you are right in God, in his presence. And so justification is that work by which we are made righteous with God. Amen? And it's in that sense that we will be made righteous. Right? We are made right. We, we, we come into this this wonderful place in our lives that by the work of Jesus Christ, by the obedience of Jesus Christ, you are right. You are accepted. You are completely forgiven. You are just perfect in God's sight. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, I pray you pray that I pray you ask for forgiveness of any sin. All right, so we, we are. But then there is secondly the work of righteousness. Work of righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew 6, well, beware of practicing your righteousness. So we find out three things in this scripture that Jesus assumes about righteousness. Number one, righteousness is something that you do. You practice. The word there is poeo, meaning to make, to do. Do, beware of doing your righteousness. You have to do it. Secondly, the righteousness is something that is visible. People can see it. It's not mystical. Right? It's not some thing. I can't see your face. Right? I can only see the evidence of your face. Right? Right? I, you know, before other people in order to be seen by them. Right? So righteousness is something that is visible. Thirdly, righteousness is something that is rewarded by God. Rewarded, so God is rewarding. Um, um, so, for then you will have no reward from your Father. So, righteousness refers to this active work of doing right. So, justification is being right. Righteousness is doing right. Do we do? We, we do right, right? But the foundation of our righteousness is what? Our justification in Christ. You cannot do right without being justified, without being first made right in Christ Jesus. That's what religions of the world, a lot of religions are trying to do good works, apart from the justification of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, what kind of righteousness is that? Filthy rags. Our righteousness, apart from Jesus Christ, is filthy rags. Filthy. So, so we, 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 we recognize that. So, 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is what? Righteous. He does not say whoever is justified in righteousness. Because I, because I believe that John is thinking about the practice. Whoever is righteous, whoever is justified, is made right, but really righteousness in its in its the fullness of its outward manifestation, right, requires practicing righteousness. Whoever practices righteousness, yes, is righteous. Don't be deceived. 
life that one of the strong deceptions coming into the church will be somehow, and I think it has come over the last 100 years, I do believe that this deception has come into the church where we just don't put a priority in doing what is right. Right? We don't put a priority on obeying the scripture. We just don't. We just tend to. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and then we live like the devil, right? <laughs> we live like the way we want. How many people do that, right? How many people are like, it's amazing how many people, you know, you find today claiming great things in the pulpit, and then you find out that they're complete living like, like pagans. Right? It's because of, of this deception. So we, we must take the warning of John very seriously here. That Satan has a, a deceptive work that has to do with somehow this idea of practicing righteousness. You know, and, and that deception will work on us in different ways. Whether, whether it's just not fully grasping it, whether it's, you know, dismissing it, whether it's understanding the work of God in the wrong way, you know, whatever it might be, right, it, it, there's a tendency to not put a whole lot of priority on what God tells us to do, right? We, we call it what? Legalism. If you obey God, you're legalistic. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. There is a legalism, right? There is, there is an aspect of legalism that I'm very, very true. But this idea of really, really uh, uh, arranging our lives so that we can be a people that really maintain good works. Not because we're trying to get brownie points with God, but because we're so overwhelmed by the goodness of God that we can't help but help someone else. That we could be so filled with what God has done in our lives, right? With the justification that it just comes out. That we're so free, right? When we really accept the fact that we've been made right with God, that you no longer have to do anything more, than, right? It frees us to love other, other, other people. Amen? I can't wait to go to Charlene's house today, you know? But years ago, I didn't have time for that. I got to see God. I, I got problems. <laughs> you know, but, but today I'm free, praise God, because the Lord began to, to deliver me from all of this idea that I have to be right. I have to be perfect. Oh, I'm trying my best, Lord. I'm doing okay. But when we, when we begin to accept what Jesus Christ has done, it sets us free to love other people. And that is what God wants us to do. So he can be glorified. So, Amen. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. So this is beautiful because we can hear First uh, John really then gives us, you know, one of the lovely things I love about the scriptures is sometimes it defines things for you in black and white. So now he gives us, we don't have to guess what does it mean to be righteous because John tells us what it means. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. The, the Holy Spirit Told John, John, write this down. This is very important because <laughs> John, write that because there's a lot of confusion. There'll be theological debates. <laughs> um, and um, just write it clearly. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Right? <laughs> what a what a phrase. I mean, when I when I saw that years ago, I was like, so much of my studies. <laughs> okay, let me let me change the subject because it's there. Whoever practices righteousness. Is righteous. So now we can go to Psalm 33. Shout to the Lord. 
all you who practice righteousness. Right? Who are the righteous? Those who what? Practice. Count the joy of the Lord, all you who practice righteousness. Amen? It's a call. It's a particular call. Right? John gave us a definition. We don't have to go. We don't, without that scripture, I think without John's scripture, we still prove, I do believe that, we still prove that practicing righteousness is righteousness. Even without 1 John 3. But praise God, he gave us 1 John, so you don't have to do any studying. You can focus, focus on love. <laughs> right? You can focus on other topics. He gave us this definition. James 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Amen. I will show you my faith by my works. So we're going to continue. We're going to continue this topic here and see how far we go. So, so what is the biblical meaning of right? Let's get a little bit more. What do we mean by righteousness? We know, we know that he practices righteousness, and that he is righteous. What else is practicing righteousness? But the question I have an answer to. What are they doing? You know, right? I mean, when I was young in the Lord, um, we used to have questions. I said, Lord, you know, what would love to eat? Okay, should I bring my my, my, my uh, an apple or an orange or apple and an orange and a banana? Or should it be a, a banana and an apple? How many of you guys have struggled with that question? <laughs> I wanted to know exactly how do I love my neighbor? Do I bring him flowers? How about a meal? How about flowers and a meal? Um, what time, Lord? 2 p.m.? No, that works. 6. How about in the morning? Lord, please, I want to love people. Lord, I don't know what to do. Have you ever been like that? Well, when I was young, I, I went through that struggle. Why do I want to love people? The Bible doesn't tell me. And then I had this revelation. Lord, the Bible says that you please me Oh, I came to that revelation years ago. I said, God, this is just annoying, Lord. If you, 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 you tell us to go and kambula, right? Kambula. Okay, kambula. Which, so what is kambula? In the Greek, kambula, kambula means in the Greek that, you know, um, shake heads. Shake heads, all right? Uh, and I'm kambuling. You know, and, and, and so you, you, you find the, or the arrogance says, what? Oh, I know what to do. Maybe my love is just not what God means by love, right? So we got to go to God. We got to go to His Word and say, "God, help, help me bring this together." Amen. So I haven't answered. I haven't answered. I haven't answered the question. What does it mean to be righteous? We know it means to practice righteousness. But what type of things are you practicing? Tennis, ping pong. What are you doing? Right? Can anyone appreciate the question? Hope you can appreciate the question because because this is when you're a disciple of Christ, you know. You know when Jesus told the story of the, of the parable of the sower, the, the disciples knew at the end. It's like, Lord, I, 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 I,
isn't a formula. There's no, uh, we would love formulas, right? Everybody give sandwich to the neighbor at 2 p.m., right? I mean, it's not like that. It doesn't work that way. You give a sandwich, you make a call, and you show up, right? right? It, it, it's just different. God, the Holy Spirit will, will, will show you. So there is, so the scripture, the reason why I believe God made the scriptures very, not very We have great ideas. Come on, let's be honest. The Bible says man is full of devices. I don't know about you. I am full. I'm a factory of devices. Factory of ideas. I can give you, I can give you six ideas. You know, how to occupy one hour. You know, uh, we're all full of ideas. When we work on ideas, amen, how can we most effectively love people? How can we hit the target, right? How can we, it's not simple, right? Which is way it is, I don't want to talk about too much, but in another, in another sense, it's very easy to know, Lord, I want to learn to walk in your ways and do the things that you do. You look at the life of Jesus, his, his life is a, is a complicated life. He goes into a pool, he sees one man, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, what kind of question is that? <laughs> what kind of question? What do you want me um, uh, what do you want me to do for you? you have to, like, like, I need to be healed. <laughs> can you see? Can you see me? I'm like this. <laughs> what do you mean you're asking? What do you want me to do for you? I'm, I'm here for a reason. <laughs> the w- turning of the water, and I'm going crazy. <laughs> what kind of question is that? And then he heals the man, and then you do what? And everybody else? How about, what were you and I doing? Be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. He w- we would go around everywhere. And the, everyone, come this way. <laughs> But the Lord says, no, it's one man, right? Go figure, right? Who would you and I be like, you know, we're going to go, papaya, grande. <laughs> but the Lord says, no, we're going to do it right. God gave the law on So we got to learn how to do right things, right? We can't do it this way. I love the scripture of, in the book of Acts. Jesus was there who went about doing Amen. He just went about doing good. He went about. He didn't organize it. You know, he just went about doing good. But in his doing good, there are mysteries. So we want to learn. We want to learn. And this will help us. And I believe that Psalm 112 will help us. Okay. Psalm 112. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. The 
simple verse. Um, I go to this verse a lot just to as a phrase. Um, Jesus Christ um, just really is the, the fulfillment of Psalm 112. But let's look at this. And he has distributed fruit. I'm thinking of those videos dealing with Jack Reacher. <laughs> it, the, the word means this, it's scattered. This idea of growing um, objects from one place have grown, moved to multiple places. Scattered. He has scattered fruit. He has distributed fruit. The work of righteousness is going to involve distributing fruit. Scattering. A, it's a figurative um, symbolism of sowing seed. How many? How many sow seed like this? How many do that? <laughs> what do you, What does the farmer do? <laughs> you know, he's, he's like, some go here, some go there, some go here, but he's filling the field with seed. It's a picture. He's distributed, he's scattering. He's, he's just scattering, 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 scattering. And so this idea, he has, um, the righteous person scatters freely. W- w- what's the picture there? They're not rationing themselves. They're not, they're just freely throwing themselves in every direction. an awesome picture, you know. He's he's freely distributes himself. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. He's not saying, well, my man, okay, let's just go. Because what? (laughs) No, this idea that there's a freeness. Right? There's a freeness. They scatter themselves all over. And they do it joyfully because they're not considering like, Every, they just know that there's there's just something free, that they're free to do this. They're not they're not co- they're not being forced to do that. Lord, you just a you, you know, you're a harsh taskmaster, Lord. No, they're doing this because they love God. They're distributing this. Are they tired? Yes. Are they worn out? Yes. But their joy keeps compelling them. Amen. What Christ has done for me. When they get tired, they remember the cross. They remember that while he was he was tired, he was bleeding, and I'm just tired. Whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna scatter myself. Right? I mean, what a perfect that's why I love the cross. I love the cross because it answers so many of our problems when we're complaining. He for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He did he was deeply Amen. He gave himself. He, he gave him some complete. He didn't ration himself. You know what the word ration? What does ration mean? You want to tell him what ration? We bought the audience here. Here's the conversation. What What does it mean to ration? Behold, I give you pain. Right? Just, yeah, just give it a little. Yeah, okay. Just 
you, you need you need a quarter, right? Or you can you have a pocket with a thousand quarters. Here's one, you know. I'm taking those silly things over, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like you know, you know, we just give, you know, we just you know, we just go thank you, thank you. We just we give, and part of it because you know we're not really we're not gripped with the goodness of the Lord. Because it's not about being poor in spirit. It's like God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. Someone who cheerfully just like gives himself completely. Because of what Christ has done for us. I mean, that kind of life doesn't just make perfect sense. Doesn't it? Doesn't it, doesn't it make perfect sense that after Christ, all that he did for us, that we would ration our lives in love? Or that we would scatter our love? That we would take risks, right? That we would take risks. I, I love what John Piper would say one time. Yeah. If you really believe all things work together for good to those who love God, you take great risks. Why? Because you know all things work together for good to those who love God. So it doesn't matter what happens. You can give yourself freely because you know that God is with you. Because God, right? I mean, if this was to, if we could to lay hold of this, amen? If we could lay hold of this, I believe that we begin to find supernatural strength to move forward. Because it's not about, it's not about our strength. If we operate on our own strength, we will fail. But it is about the grace of God which animates us through the things of life. Amen? So the first thing we notice here is that we scatter the love. One of the things I really appreciated the Lord doing early on in the army was all we were all about the children. And I told the Lord, I'm about I love the children. Soon after the Lord, we started, we were all about the children. The Lord told me, you're scattered. And I so appreciated that. Because what the last thing I want to hear is, we're about children. No, we're about being scattered wherever the Lord calls us. Whether it be children, whether it be youth, whether it be disabled folks that can't, right? It doesn't matter. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. And whatever the Lord calls and we did Allentown Rescue Mission, we'll go for that. And then we have to do, you know, minister to short Asians, two feet, with, with a particular, we'll do that too. <laughs> Wherever we go, we want to serve God. We're not about this or that. We're about whatever God calls us to. And I love the fact that early on, the Lord made it clear, you will serve the Lord where you're scattered. Just like that. Amen. doesn't ration our time, resources. We just give. We, we, we freely, right? You know, I, I love Susan and I, we, we're going over scripture. Um, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All that is that just to hear what God wants to say. I felt the Lord just really inspired me and really encouraged me. You're not boxes. You're just a little box. 
So it's an intense and saying little blocks. And he was making a contrast to what we oftentimes feel in Africans. We have a little lockstep mentality oftentimes when listen, we have little resources. We have little this. We have little of that. And the Lord says, fear not, little flock. Small in number. Not just numerically small in resources. Small in power. Small in all kinds of ways. You are little. We are little in every sense of the word. We are little, but not big. cooking, 
but it hasn't been cemented. So they launched out with good works, and they're excited for two weeks, and then they realize, hey, God, you don't love me no more. And there goes the business. We've got to be convinced of his love for us. We've got to be, for God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were your sinners, Christ died for us. So we have such a foundation. We're not standing on thin ice. We're standing on the solid rock of what Christ has done for us so we can stand and be truly the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? God is calling us to a life that makes a difference. Amen? We can either choose to live a life, we could be here for another 20 years, 30 years, and say, nothing. I know about you, but that's stressful to me. <laughs> that is stressful. The thought that I would just go into the kingdom with nothing to show for it after all that Christ has done for me. You want to show something? By his grace, amen? We'll pick it up next week. The righteous will go back to Psalm 112, verse 1. ministry is this. God knows. The ministry is to scatter freely. We want to be teaching kids, high school, ESL, Spanish, English, French, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. He, you, you just scatter yourself wherever the Lord says, go hear my servant. Go hear my servant. You, you don't say, because Christ in you can do all things, so you are gifted for all things in Christ. Amen. I can do what? All things in Christ who strengthens me. So don't, don't ever go, well, no. Where were you, old, young, right? Even, 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 even dead people. <laughs> just, just minister to wherever the Lord is calling you. Don't limit yourself. Distribute yourself freely. Don't ever limit God. Let him, let him push boundaries. Let him, let him push things that it's not about your gifting; it's about His gifting. And since Jesus can do all things, the sky is the limit. There are no boundaries to the gift of God in you because Jesus can do all things, right? He's everything, and so it's that gifting. But if you rely just on yourself, you'll limit yourself. But if you rely on Jesus, God will just free you from your own limitations. When you embrace his life and he's perfect and he's like that, that's how we say pastor says this or apostle says this, he's pastor, he's apostle. <laughs> he's good at everything. <laughs> right? He's good at everything. You know, there's nothing that he cannot do. So I want to encourage us. Give yourself freely. Scatter yourself. 
perfect draftsmanship to get the job done. And he expected the task to be perfect. Moses, let's be honest, Moses has brought some more alien stuff into the world. Curses are progeny of the children of the mighty people of the world. Requiring that I should be perfect that I should remember the Lord. You're hearing this they just don't happen to be perfect in that way. But if we have the grace, we can be. What would that flow? What would they know for such a time as this is about the presence of God? Gathering in whatever way we can. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful time. None of us are adequate this morning. But because of Jesus Christ, Oh, God, because of Jesus Christ, every time we can do all things through him. There's a world in which God is And it's not just, I think about not just doing good things, but we go to work and fail. Greedy, but I'm faithful. What if I just doing all these outward things? Instead of in whatever way we do, we as a church, I've always, I've always marveled at how smallish and yet this has, by your grace, impact and influence that shape that walk down the street every day and make a difference. I just pray, God, that we would not limit ourselves by our own standards, our own status, wonderful, perfect work of Jesus Christ and that out of this wealth and bounty of the work of Christ that you would use it to bring the gospel to others and to the nations. So I just pray, God, that you would use this man's holy hands and holy lips and then I want us to take a moment to just come out of this place that your word would minister
exposed areas of pride, exposed areas of just our commitment to leisure and comfort that so often Jesus comes tying up and, and we don't want to be uncomfortable. We, we only give only so much. I pray that you would expose that and that you would speak your truth into those areas of our lives and that those areas of our lives will be changed by the love of Jesus Christ. Paul says, the love of Christ constrains us. That we would, Lord, be so grieved by the love of Jesus. By the love that you poured out upon us. Oh, Jesus, fill us. Make us a people that will be filled with the gratefulness of God of all that you've done. And it is only out of that well, out of that fountain, that most good men and women disciples rejoiced because they were persecuted, that we would rejoice when we ask that heaven pour up her wealth, that we would rejoice in our physical poverty, in our piety, that those occasions of physical piety being worn out would not be occasions to complain, but an occasion to magnify our great God. Only then Thank you, Lord, for this life. Listen, you qualify us. <laughs> Grant us, O oh God, that we might really believe that you have given us a gift. And we might walk in some implication, many, many implications of that gift. And that we might walk some of that gift even today in Jesus' name. You've given us a gift. We have all the resources. We walk in the reality. There are many here, Father. Think of so many who struggle for good reason. They're, they're, they're alone. They're, they have a lot of responsibility. And I pray that you encourage them. I pray that they would feel strength that comes from knowing the truth. In their own selves, in our own selves, we have no strength. We, we get tired. We're weak. But you give us the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I pray that this week we would cultivate the joy of the Lord by simply reminding ourselves of where we came from, reminding us of all that Jesus Christ has done, and that, Lord, there could be fruits of righteousness. And so thank you, Father, for this wonderful day. Bless the people as they go home. May we encourage one another in the Lord. We pray, God, for Abby, those who are sick, that they're not able to come here. We pray for healing, God, and strength in their lives. Thank you for all that Abby does. And I know, Lord, you have a lot in store for people that want to publish it. Thank you for her devotion. And she definitely hopes that it's Thursday night, even Saturday night, she can give her life. Thank you so much. Continue to bless her. Bless those, God, that for sick on healed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us this week. Keep us focused on you. We 
pray all this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.